you sense a little bit of frustration today, it's because this is frustrating. This is... This is the one thing where if somebody gave me the power to have the answer to any unsolved mystery, whether it was a true crime case or an unexplained phenomenon or anything, this would be the one. So I am very confused. Every time I do look into it, every time I talk to somebody, every time I have any sort of interaction with this story, I get more and more confused. And the answers make less and less sense. So I am frustrated. And I need other people to be frustrated with me. Because this is one of the stories where I have roped in other people. I have told other people, listen, you got to watch a video about this real quick and then we're going to debate what we think happened. (laughs) So today, if you haven't heard of this already, what rock have you been living under? We are talking about the Dyatlov Pass incident. And I really wish, (laughs) this is the one time where I really wish that this was not just a podcast, but was instead a conversation because I want as many opinions as I possibly can about this. And I guess from here, we just got to get into it and you have to deal with me being frustrated and confused and talking in circles because... (laughs) That's all that I can really do when it comes to this. This story is really iconic in a lot of different circles. The conspiracy theory people, the true crime people, the cryptid people, all of them. We're all interested in this story because it has elements of all of that in one story. So you have a lot of people interested in this a lot of different ideas circling around and the thing about this is a lot of it makes sense unlike a lot of different unexplained incidences you know like for example we talked about the sally house Um, unlike this unlike that this story has a lot of credibility in a lot of the theories a lot of the a lot of the different ideas that people have make sense and could have happened. So let's first set the scene here. This was in Russia. It took place in Russia and it was in the late 50s. It actually, the event itself spanned between January and February of 1959. So the very late 50s. And it happened because a bunch of students, college students got together and decided that they wanted to go on a hike. Now, there's a lot of Russian happening in this story, as uh, typically is the case for Russia. So <laughs> I'm going to do my best with the, the names of the people and the places. But if I fail, then that's okay, because there are more important things in the world than how to pronounce names of Russian people from the 50s. But this group was, it was nine people, and they decided that they wanted to go on a hike through the Ural Mountains. So if you know anything about mountains, you know that they typically tend to be cold. Uh, Even the mountains in California get snow. So even the mountains, I think in Nevada, get snow. So it's colder than the surrounding area because the altitude higher up closer to the atmosphere and so it's colder there and now that I have explained mountains to people (laughs) I'd like you guys to consider that this was January in the mountains in Russia now Russia is famous for a lot of things one of them being that it is very cold out there of course these people born and raised in Russia lived there their whole life I'm sure they were quite used to incredibly cold temperatures. However, these temperatures in the mountains were not survivable. This area was pretty much uninhabitable. 
unless you came prepared. And they did. They did come prepared. So they decided to come go on a hike through this mountain. And these people knew what they were doing beyond just being familiar with the area. They were certified hikers, if that is a thing. I guess it is. And they were actually pretty high level certified hikers. In fact, some of the people on the trip wanted to take the trip to further their hiking certification. Now, I don't know what any of this means other than they know what they're doing. They know how to survive situations and they probably know a thing or two about existing in the cold with very little. So Igor Dyatlov, he was the one who was like, I'm going to lead the troops. I am going to lead this expedition and I am going to be the leader for this trip that we're taking. And he had told his friends that he was going to give them a telegram whenever he got back home. Now, obviously, this was a much different time. Not only did they only have telegrams to communicate, but they were also out there in the mountains where even today with cell phones, it would be unlikely that you would be able to contact someone, especially continuously. So he told them, you know, I'm going to shoot you guys a message whenever I get home. And they kind of gave him a little window of time in which they would expect to hear back from him. The group got together and they couldn't just start going on this trip because it was somewhere that was so uninhabited and so distant out in the middle of nowhere. So they actually had to kind of do a few steps before they hit the road. They started by taking a train to a town called Ivdel. And then from there, they had to take a truck to a town called Vishai. And that is actually the last town that far north. So they went about as far north as they could, being in civilization. And that's when they stocked up, they physically, mentally prepared, they made sure they had all the stuff they needed, and they just enjoyed some time out in this town before taking off to go to this trip. So they got extra food and water and all that kind of stuff. So something that's very interesting about this event is there are journals and there are pictures of some of the stuff they did. So part of why we know what we do know is because we have the pictures and we have the journals of what they were doing. Like, for example, their trip where they were getting food and stuff in Visai, there's pictures of all that. There's pictures of them on the truck. And so we know that this did for sure happen. And we can also kind of get together some of the dates to figure out where they were and when they were there. What's not completely relevant, but is pretty interesting to me, is that there was somebody on the trip. His name was Yuri Yudon, and he actually had an injury that prevented him from going further and prevented him from going on the trip. So this guy left in uh, Visai and said bye, everybody, and wasn't able to go on to go meet the fate that the rest of the hikers met. So kind of interesting, just a side note. So they they prepped for the hike and they were going to do it on January 31st is when they decided to leave. And as they were beginning their hike, the weather got really bad. So they had to they had a path that they were going to take of the paths that they were going to travel on but for some reason they deviated from their original path now people kind of speculate that it was on purpose because maybe they knew that or at least they thought that going the their original path would be harder because of the weather And some people speculate that they deviated from the path on accident because it was so 
snowy and so confusing out there that maybe they just sort of went the wrong way and ended up at a place that they didn't originally mean to go on. So one day they set up their camp at the bottom of this big mountain slope and that's where they ended up setting up camp for the final time. Now, like I said before, this is far from where they were supposed to go. It wasn't on their original plan. It wasn't on their original trail, but they stopped there. Probably people speculate because the temperature was so low and it was snowing so hard and the conditions were just so bad that they decided that they needed to stop and stay somewhere for the night until maybe the weather cleared up. People were expecting to hear back from Igor around kind of the the 8th towards the 14th, but nobody was hearing from him and they did give him some time to get where he was going. Of course, a hike of a certain length, there could be some deviation in time of when you think you arrive to when you actually arrive. There could be a chance that they found somewhere to stop, whether it was for fun or because they were tired. And so people didn't really start worrying until later on. And it was the 20th of February where a search group was finally called and they went out to the mountain and they went to search for the hikers. The conditions that were out there at the time were really bad to say the least. And so Although they were looking starting the 20th, it wasn't until February 26th that the hikers were found. Now, as you might be able to guess, based on if you know the story or not, or if you can just kind of tell where this is going, all the hikers were found and they were dead. So they found the campsite first and nothing was there. But let's get into kind of how the campsite was left because it is very important to a lot of the theories as to what happened to them. So they did have a tent that they were staying in. I have seen pictures of the tent and it was pretty small. Um, You know, I, I said they had a camera out there. There are pictures that were taken before this all happened and the, the tent was relatively small. Although I imagine that number one, you would kind of want a small tent. You would want everybody kind of sleeping on top of each other when it was so cold. But also, gigantic tents are kind of a newer concept. I know I've seen the like 14 people tent at uh, the camping store. What is that store called? Uh, Dick's Sporting Goods. That's what it's called. <laughs> and And they do look very luxurious, but I imagine back then they did not have a dick sporting goods with giant 14 people tents that were very luxurious. So their tent was relatively small for the amount of people that were in it. Although, like I said, it could have been uh, an advantage in these weather conditions. So the tent was found and all their stuff was still in it. And when I say all their stuff, I mean like a lot of survival stuff, like axes, knives, stuff they might need to hunt or to gather supplies, but also a lot of cold weather items like jackets. These people are Russian, so I imagine they understand the importance of layers and stuff like that. I know as somebody from Texas, I didn't really understand how important various types of uh, layers were and what kinds you need and in what order you need to put them on until I experienced the giant storm that happened in February of 2021. And in Austin, there were some places that got like a foot of snow. And that's when I learned very quickly that you need these things. And so Russian people... I imagine are quite familiar with the importance of all these things, not too proud to put on a jacket before they go out on a cold day. So it is quite suspicious that they would have stuff like jackets in the camps, the the tent after they had left. Like you wouldn't leave your tent without them. Now, 
this is my this is the number one thing to me that leads me to believe the theory that I believe about the what happened to them which of course we'll get into later but the tent was not opened you know tents have little doors or flaps or whatever they have fasteners on them but the tent wasn't the fasteners and stuff were still closed what was their means of escape from the tent was a giant slash as if someone had taken a knife and cut the tent open from the inside and then they had all ran out from there now I do want to note there is this big deal about the tent was cut open from the inside maybe I'm ignorant but I don't understand how you are able to tell if a tent was cut from the inside or the outside because a cut is a cut (laughs) so Maybe that's just me being ignorant, but that is the thing that people say is, oh, isn't it so weird the, the tent was cut from the inside? I don't know how we know that. I'm sure there is a way, but I have never seen anyone give an explanation as to how we know that it was cut from the inside. But whatever, that's the story. We're going with it. The tent was cut from the inside. So that's a little... Fred knocked something over and I'm sure (laughs) I'm sure you heard a splatter on the ground but I just went and listened back and you can in fact hear when he knocked something over anyways so like I said there was nobody at the campsite however they did have a lead as to where to find them because they found footprints and let it be known that if they found footprints, that means that there was a certain amount of snow and then either one, the snow hadn't melted enough to get rid of the footprints or two, there hadn't been enough more snow to cover the footprints. I don't know if that's the way in which you would word that, but too late. It's already been said. So they found the hikers And some interesting things about the footprints that led them to the hikers is some of the footprints were made with shoes. Some of them were made with just one shoe. Some of them were made with a foot that had a sock on. And some of them were made with bare feet. The thought of walking in snow barefoot, especially deep snow is appalling because I do happen to possess a pair of shoes that are all terrain and are said to be okay to wear in the snow and even then it got really cold really fast on my feet so I can't imagine being barefoot in the snow. So they found the hikers and something to mention about the barefoot thing was it goes beyond that so not only were some of the footprints barefoot but some of the hikers when they found them were almost completely naked they were down to just their underwear now a lot of people think about that when they think about this they think about some sort of terrible thing like maybe a crazy murderer or something who held them at gunpoint or something and told them to take their clothes off or whatever to make them powerless in the cold. Um, I am not in that camp. Um, There's even crazier theories than that when it comes to them being uh, almost naked. I personally believe in the theory of just plain and simple that they were experiencing hypothermia. Um, because it is a very, very documented symptom of hypothermia that at one point you start to feel very hot when you're experiencing hypothermia. And so it is very common to find, to have victims of hypothermia not have their clothes on because for some reason you get super hot and your brain tells you, oh my gosh, I'm overheating. And so you take off your layers, you know, to try and 
cool down when in fact you are dying of being too cold. <laughs> Again, I don't know if that's how you word that, but we're going to stick with it. I certainly don't know my cold vo- vocabulary. Let's get into the specifics of the different bodies. Now, before we get into the bodies that were closest to the campsite, I just want to say their names were Yuri D and Yuri K. I'm not going to try to do the last names, but they're the, the guy who was supposed to go with them and didn't end up going with them was also named Yuri. So they almost ended up with three Yuris in one trip of only nine people. So they almost had 33% of their group named Yuri. Anyways, Yuri D, Yuri K, they were together and they were next, they were closest to the campsite. So something specific about how the state in which their bodies were in is that their hands were mangled up and destroyed to where they pretty much didn't have hands, but kind of just destroyed nubs instead of hands. The There were trees that were near them and the trees had human flesh in embedded in the bark of the tree as if they had maybe tried to climb it in a, a big rush as if, you know, there was something that they were running from whether it is whether it would be a person a thing you know a a situation it it did appear that they were trying to run from something they were trying to climb up a tree so whatever it was was happening down below and wasn't capable of going up question mark now that's an assumption that I'm making is that whatever they were running from was something that couldn't be get higher you know like for example if I was running from an alligator I would like to run up a tree but if I was running from a bear I probably wouldn't go up a tree because bears can climb trees and alligators cannot so before I I explain the concept of trying to climb up a tree any further I will continue so that was that was Yuri D and Yuri K. Now theirs to me, the state of their bodies was the least suspicious. It just looks like they were in a frenzy and they were in a panic for whatever reason, and that they had died. Uh, it, it looked like they had died of natural purposes, and the situation with their hands could most likely be tied to the tree that kind of held all the answers that was near them. So Igor. He was found in a different location and he was on his back with his hands on his chest. So kind of um, what you would imagine like a vampire, like how a vampire sleeps in his coffin. If you don't know the pose in which a vampire sleeps in his coffin, I recommend consuming more vampire content in your life just as um, a way to improve it (laughs) in a way that has nothing to do with this story. So, Igor, his his injuries were the least bad, and his his the state of his body was again kind of not that interesting, not that exciting. Just seemed like maybe he died of hypothermia. Another one of the hikers named Rustum was found with a fractured skull, but he also appeared to have died of hypothermia. Although, if you ask me. If I have a fractured skull and there's no hospital nearby, I'm probably just going to lay down and die also. So it seems like that could have been a situation where whatever element was going to be the most severe was going to be the one that took him out. Whether it was thirst or starvation or in this case hypothermia because it just acts faster than those other two forces. So, fractured skull, although he died of hypothermia. There was another hiker. Her name was Zenadia, and she had a lot of different injuries to her face. And she also had a similar situation where her hands were all mangled and gnarled and pretty much not there anymore. But in this situation, 
there was no evidence as to what happened to her hands, why they would look like that. Unlike in the case of both Yuri's, where there was evidence of this is why their hands are messed up. This is why their hands don't look so good. And what's crazy is they didn't find any other hikers for two months because of the conditions, the weather conditions. And what I mean by that is the snow was so heavy and the storms were so bad that they couldn't find anybody else. They couldn't find any of the other bodies. And I imagine they couldn't do prolonged searches anyways, because it it was dangerous to be out there, you know, just evidenced by what happened to the hikers. It was not safe to be out wandering. So two months later, the weather got a little bit better, a little bit warmer, although by Russia's standards, I'm sure it was too damn cold. And that's when they found the rest of them, starting with Nikolai, who was, he was fully clothed, unlike the, some of the others that they found. And he was found under some snow, although it wasn't like he was found under layers and layers of snow. He was found under, you know, a regular amount of snow for having sat there for that amount of time. But the thing about Nikolai is he he was beaten, you know, like he had uh, his skull was severely injured and he had a broken jaw. So it looked like something had just mauled him you know like he had been attacked another hiker was found his name was Semyon now he was found without um, eyes (laughs) so the these are some of the injuries where people get really confused you know so he he didn't have eyes or soft tissue around his eyes and he also had a really big head wound a very deep head wound And his ribs were crushed in a way that it was like the force of something weighing on him had crushed his ribs. Now, whether it was before or after death is unknown. So, you know, for example, you know, if he was under an incredible amount of snow or something like that, maybe it could have broken later on. um, Or maybe that could have been why he died. And, you know, who knows? Something or some force put so much pressure on his body that his ribs were crushed. Now, Alexander was also missing soft tissues around his eyes, although he did have eyes. And he had an, a really, really big open wound on his skull. So if you're noticing a lot of these people, you know, are having pretty severe head trauma. This final hiker, her name was Ludmila, which I googled that one, how to pronounce it, and I don't know why I haven't been googling the rest of them. Um, Ludmila is the one who people focus on and they hone in on the most, and it will kind of become evident, and it also will be brought up in a lot of the theories again later on, but her the the conditions in which she was found are the worst and the most confusing so all of the soft tissue on her entire face was missing she also didn't have eyes so soft tissue and the eyes were gone her nose was crushed like someone had just smashed it completely you know it was like bashed into her face And her mouth was wide open and she was missing her tongue. And this is where I think a little bit of sensationalism comes into play because there are kind of conflicting opinions. I would say opinions because I can't verify that any of this is fact about the whole tongue situation. So some people say that she had her tongue. It looked like it was cut out. And then some people just say, oh, it just wasn't there. And I am going to just guess 
that it probably wasn't cut out. It, it just seems very unlikely that her tongue was perfectly cut out. So we're just going to say the tongue was not there. It was removed and we don't know how, <laughs> but it, it was not there. And so these, the, all the bodies were taken to a medical examiner because, of course, they wanted to see what people would say, what what scientists would say. And the medical examiner ruled that all of them had died of hypothermia. But what led to their location and where they were, you know, outside of the um, campsite was caused by an unknown compelling force. Now, that sounds very mystical for sure, but I'm sure he didn't mean, you know, magic or aliens or monsters. You know, an unknown compelling force could be somebody, your next door neighbor cooking with their windows open and it smells really good. So you get up and go check it out. You know, it, it was unknown. It was unknown and it compelled them. So that is how they were found. And of course, this is where we get to the, okay, now what happened to these people? Everyone was super interested in figuring out what happened to these people. And of course, everybody had ideas and people wanted to know more and people wanted more information to be gathered and given to the public. But despite all of this interest from the public, the case was officially closed by the Russian government after a very short period of time. And theoretically, this shouldn't be closed until there's an official solved. <laughs> like the case is officially solved. Just like we do here, there are cases that have been open for years and years. Just thinking about um, BTK in uh out here in america where you know we solved that case 50 60 years later and they left the case open until we figured out who it was and an arrest was made so in theory this should kind of go the same way now of course with this incident i think it's safe to say we're not looking for a culprit but we are looking for a cause. Now, it was said, okay, they died of hypothermia and that's what happened and that was a cause and so the case is closed. So, of course, you can say, yeah, the cause was hypothermia, but what is the cause of them being out there? That's where answers are needed for just to just to cool down the public's curiosity, sure. But more importantly, these people had families and I'm sure the families wanted answers and I wouldn't be happy if a relative that I had had this happen to them. And then I was given some answer of, well, they died of hypothermia. So what else do you need? Well, I need to know why my relative who was born and raised in Russia was chilling outside in the middle of below freezing temperatures, almost completely naked, you know? So there, the theories don't really revolve around what happened to them, but more why they ended up where they are. Because I don't think people are, for the most part, people, no one's doubting the hypothermia. You know, the conditions were there. And, you know, you can't, you can't argue with that. So let's get into some of the theories and the my opinions and the theories and then sort of the you know why people believe what they believe so there are a lot of theories that are kind of um about government kind of stuff and maybe that's why the government was so hasty to say listen it was hypothermia we're done here thanks for playing and there are some reasons why. So the the clothing that the people had on, as well as the bodies themselves, did have a peculiar amount of radiation on them. And so some people think that they were maybe in an area that was home to some sort of testing for weapons, whether it's explosives or, you know, some sort of 
maybe something being dropped or maybe something being planted. There are some people that think that, you know, they, they were in an area with landmines or something and, or maybe that they were dropping these weapons in this area because, you know, of course they have to test the weapons somewhere and they were beyond the point of the town, the furthest north town. You know, there were there there was no more settle human settlements in that area. So I don't think it's crazy to assume that that's what happened. Um, now, of course, the um, the bodies were found. <laughs> you know, it's not like they were found in a bunch of different pieces or whatever that would indicate that they exploded. But what people do think is that maybe they were scared by an explosion going off and that they freaked out and just took off. Um, And, you know, I think that this does make sense. Um, Of course, when, when asked about it, the Russian government said, oh, we don't test weapons out there. Okay, yeah. Because they're just going to tell you where they t- where they test weapons. And they're also going to tell you when they're testing weapons. And they're also going to tell you if they're testing nuclear weapons. Because if that's one thing the government of any country is known for, let alone Russia, it's transparency. <laughs> you know? So this one to me, if that's what you think happened to them, I am totally on board. I think, sure, that makes sense maybe. Um, although of course it, it doesn't answer what the heck happened to all the bodies. And some people do argue that the, some of the conditions that the bodies were found in could have been, um, just scavenging that happened by animals. Now I do believe that that makes sense to me when it comes to the, soft tissue being gone and the tongue being gone but uh, I don't really understand the thing with the hands on any of them um and I don't really understand the all all the all the injuries to the the skulls of the various hikers but again this is going to come up in some of the other theories and so kind of just my general opinion it doesn't account for some of the other injuries. Although, you know, you could also say maybe multiple things happened. Maybe they got scared, ran out, and, you know, Yuri and other Yuri tried to climb a tree. Maybe they, you know, saw an animal, you know, maybe they, maybe they ran off, you know, they were in their separate area. Maybe they saw an animal of some sorts and that's why they were trying to climb the tree. You know, this doesn't have to be a scenario in which only one thing happened. And I do want to make that abundantly clear that I don't agree that either this happened or this happened, because it seems like a lot of people's minds are kind of made up that one thing had to have happened. Now, do I believe that if this is the case, that multiple things happened, that they are just the unluckiest people in the world? Yeah. I mean, what are the chances that they get scared off from a bomb or something, get separated from their group, they don't have their clothes, and or they don't have proper clothing? Um, Again, the, the hypothermia could explain why they were almost completely nude. But, you know, they did leave their biggest coats and stuff in the tent. So they ran out without their tent or without their clothes, their coats, all the the, the big important things. And then they're maybe trying to go back to the tent to get their coats and a bear or something attacks them. I don't know if they have bears in the Russian mountains, but I'm sure there is some sort of scary animal out there that they could have got scared of. The chances of that seem, it seems a little bit far-fetched, but I mean, just something crazy had to have happened. Something weird and abnormal had to have happened. So I'm not saying that it's impossible. You know, it's definitely not impossible that two things super unlucky happened at once to these people. It wouldn't be 
a weird and unexplained event if we didn't talk about aliens. So I'm going to talk about aliens very quickly. I don't think aliens were there, but let's talk about why people do think that they're there. There are pictures that the group took, like I said before, and the last picture in the camera roll or whatever, I don't know what you'd call it, is this very weird picture of it. it looks like kind of just lights in the sky. And it is another weird thing added onto it is that um, they didn't have the coat and stuff like that. But one of the hikers did have a camera on him as if he ran out with a camera. And, you know, you didn't bring your coat, but you brought your camera. So some people think that maybe they saw something crazy and then one of them took the camera because they wanted to see if they could get pictures or evidence or whatever. And also there were people that were kind of relatively in the area of them who claimed that they saw orbs in the sky at the same time that this would have been happening. And uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. That is why people think that aliens did it. And I don't think that aliens did it. (laughs) So there's that. Now this theory, uh, people did a lot of thinking about this one. People did a lot of thinking, a lot of storytelling. And it's that they were members of the KGB and they were undercover agents and they were on some sort of mission. But along the way, they ended up in trouble because they were on a mission where they were pretending to be on the American side. You know, they were playing double agent where, you know, they were pretending to give information to America, but they were really giving it back to Russia. And they came across the Americans that they were going to go out and meet and the Americans had caught wind that they were actually not on their side. So they killed them. I don't believe this theory. One, because there's a, like I said, a lot of storytelling, a lot of things have to be true at the same time in order for this to be true. But I also don't believe this because if we are talking about professional spies or CIA or whatever, I don't believe that they would do all this crazy stuff to kill them. I think that maybe it would be done a little bit cleaner and that maybe their bodies wouldn't have been left there in order for, you know, people to be sitting at home and deciding that they were KGB and there's some mission going on. Whatever. I don't think this one's true either, but it's still... People did a lot of work, I guess, making this up. So we should give them their credit and talk about their theory. And let's talk about the Yeti theory. The Yeti theory, I'm just going to encompass it all in the Yeti theory because I'm going I'm to call it the Yeti theory. But really, um, this is the animal theory. And this one accounts for what happened to their body. So the Yeti theory is that basically they heard or they saw something and of course they got really scared and they ran away and that the reason why their bodies are all battered and bruised is because this thing attacked them. Now, some people say that it is a Yeti, um, our, you know, our friendly snow climate Bigfoot. And some people say that maybe it was just some sort of animal and it didn't necessarily have to be something as you know, uh, it didn't have to be a cryptid. It it didn't have to be anything that we don't already know of. And that that's, you know, why they ended up in the way that they ended up. This theory is kind of the only one that accounts for the damage to their body. The rest of them pretty much only account for the panic that was evident, you know, by the way that they were in all different groups and in a varying distance away from the tent and with the tent cut open and whatever. Uh, This is the only one that kind of covers all the bases. Now, (laughs) with that being said, it also, you have to assume that Yetis are real. You have to assume that they were in Yeti territory. You have to assume that the Yeti was upset with them and assume that 
for whatever reason, they couldn't fend off the Yeti. And also, another thing that I will pause to say is you would think that the Yeti or another animal would go after one group, you know, like a, like the group of two, like Yuri and Yuri or, you know, whatever, right? Like, why would the Yeti kill two of them or three of them or four of them and then turn around and be like, I'm going to get the rest of them too while I'm here, I guess. So it does account for the damage to their body, but it doesn't, it doesn't really account for animals don't behave like that. And I think I've alluded to my feelings on Bigfoot. I believe that Bigfoot is an animal, not a supernatural being. And so I don't believe that there is an animal that would just be so aggressive and vicious for no reason. You know, that that is very confusing to me. And also, I would think that if an animal did kill them, that this animal would probably be carnivorous and would probably, we would see evidence of, you know, they've been eaten or whatever. Um, so while this theory is interesting I think it's too easy to start poking holes in it you know and so that that eliminates it from my opinion as to what could have happened to them these last two theories that I'm going to talk about are probably the most widely believed theories and I think the hardest ones to find flaws in so first let's get into the avalanche theory now, what this theory states is that the group was chilling in their tent and they heard the sounds of an avalanche coming towards them. Now, I personally have never been in an avalanche, but I imagine that they are quite loud. So they probably had a bit of time from hearing it to it actually happening. So they think that the group ran and ended up how they ended up and of course if you're panicking because you think an avalanche is coming you're not gonna want to stop to pick stuff up like maybe your clothes or whatever I would think that the first thing you would think of is immediate survival not long-term survival and so that could also explain why both Yuri's tried to climb the tree because maybe you know they wanted to get up away from the the snow or the impending avalanche it could also possibly explain the trauma that a few of them had to their head like maybe they were rolling around and they hit their head um but unfortunately there are some holes in this because it sounds very this sounds to me like a good way to pack it up and okay we figured it out there was an avalanche and they tried to run away and it didn't work because uh, unfortunately there was not enough snow or any signs of avalanche to explain it. So the bodies, I said they went out on the 6th and or the 26th. So six days after they were expecting to hear back from them and they were able to find some of the bodies but they were not buried in a way that would make sense. In an avalanche, I would imagine that you would be buried under a lot of snow. And some of them weren't even really buried at all. And that, that just doesn't make any sense with an avalanche. Another thing that doesn't make sense is the bodies were not carried very far. Again, with an avalanche, you think of you know, like a snow tsunami, that it's carrying you very far. It's carrying things very far. Avalanches travel very far. And if you get caught up in one, it's not like you're get, getting hit by it. It's like you're being carried by it. So that is one thing where the avalanche theory doesn't make any sense. So there were also no signs of avalanche in the area. That's what people say. I don't really know what that means. What I can imagine it would mean is that maybe trees that have been uprooted or partially uprooted or other signs of disturbances in the wildlife and in the ground as far as you know, like the plants and roots and all kinds of stuff like that 
but they, they didn't have any signs of that that would have indicated that there was an avalanche, which we do have to remember, they started looking for them pretty soon after, you know, less than a month after this probably would have happened, probably closer to a week to two weeks after this would have happened. And so you would expect that you would notice some signs of avalanche. Now, again, not an expert on, on avalanches and what they do or don't show, but, you know, I've, you know, lived in Houston where there are hurricanes and you definitely see signs that there was a hurricane there after, you know, pretty, pretty soon after, or pretty far after it has happened. So I imagine that other natural disasters are kind of similar, you know, where there's little things here and there that wouldn't otherwise be there if there was no avalanche. Now, the final theory is that there was a fire. So you might be saying to yourself, well, how was there a fire? Because um, it was very cold <laughs> and, and snowy. Now, the reason why people think there possibly was a fire is because of some of the pictures that were taken and were found recovered later on. Now, I did say before that there was a picture of the tent. Now, in the picture of the tent, there you see what kind of looks like a little stove almost. And this is where the source of the fire could have been. Now, this little stove thing, uh, again, it's not something that I know anything about because I'm not used to being out in cold climates and I don't really do camping. So, you know, there's a few reasons why I wouldn't really know about it. But people have said that, okay, this is a thing that did exist and it was a little heater or a little stove. So something they could have cooked with or something they could have used to keep themselves warm. It was super cold. So I imagine it was the warmth was much needed. So people think that maybe this little stove thing caught on fire or released some sort of like released a lot of smoke or something in the tent. And that would explain just trying to cut the tent open and get out of there as fast as they could. You know, you don't want to inhale smoke and you certainly don't want to be around fire. So that would explain, you know, the panic and the frenzy. Um, now, you might say, well, uh, what about them kind of being in different areas? Well, you could possibly say that maybe they ran in a panic and then before they knew it, they were too far from the camp. So maybe they got lost on their way back, you know, trying to find the camp. Or maybe they weren't able to get back before the hypothermia set in and before they were able to find better shelter, better clothes to keep warm. Now, again, I, I did say that the animal theory was kind of the only one that accounted for how weird some of the injuries were. And I will say that this theory doesn't really account for any of that. But I do find this one to be the one that I believe in the most. I do believe that this is probably what happened to them since there's no signs of the avalanche. And, you know, it's just a situation where you have to decide what requires the least amount of explanation. And some of the theories like KGB and the Yeti require a lot of assumptions assuming there that yetis exist, assuming that there was a yeti out there at that time of day, you know, assuming they were in yeti territory. The KGB one, a lot of assumptions are having to happen. Whereas this one, only one assumption is needed that the stove caught on fire because the stove is there. It's in the picture. You know, you can see it. And so, you know, the only assumption you need to make is that the fire happened. Now, when I said that this is the thing that I want the answers to, this is why. Because although I believe that this this is what happened, the stove thing is what happened, how do you explain anything else? There's so much weird stuff going on outside of just why did they leave the tent that it's like, 
okay, and then what happened? You know, and, and I did say before, maybe they did run into an animal out there. Maybe, you know, one of the, some of the people with a fractured skull were running and they tripped and fell and hit their head because the area was mountainous. So maybe they slipped, you know, so there, it doesn't have to be just one explanation, but I really want to know what happened. This drives me crazy. This is the one. Like, it drives me crazy to the point to where, in comparison, I don't even care what happened to JFK, you know? And that's saying a lot because that was weird. (laughs) That one was super weird, you know? So that's where I stand with it. uh, I I love to hear everybody's opinion on it. I have mine at this point. I've talked to enough people where I have my opinion and you're not going to change it, but I still like to hear other people's opinions. I like to hear why and just sort of go back and forth about, you know, what, what you think, because I am, although, like I said, I do have my opinion as to what I think happened. I fully respect almost all the other opinions that you could have about what happened because there you kind of have to when choosing what opinion you agree with or what theory you agree with you kind of have to just decide which elements you will and won't ignore so with the stove theory you have to ignore all the weird damage done to the body and you have to say okay well this just like this is a viable explanation for as to why they freaked out in the tent and that's it so, you know, and in some of the other theories uh, that an animal got to them or whatever, you kind of have to ignore them being so scared they would leave their tent. Or, you know, you would think that people that know that much about hiking and stuff would say, yeah, let's not all split up. If it's just one animal, let's stay together and try to fend off the animal. Let's remember we need to have our jackets and stuff. You know, there you just have to you, you have to be ignoring some piece of the puzzle if you want to go with any one opinion and so it's it's frustrating (laughs) this 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 situation is very weird and very frustrating um I hate it I hate it so (laughs) I hate it so much Uh, but at the same time I love it I love to talk about it but that's not it there is uh an update or uh, update I don't know there's there's a conclusion kind of so people have continued to care about this since it happened and Russia is aware of it because you know how many times does Russia hear about people being like I just want to know what happened to this situation and whatever so there was a final kind of like a final conclusion that was put out by the Russian government in the last few years I think it was 2016 maybe 2018. I can't remember exactly what year, but it was very, very recent. And so the Russian government came out and they said, okay, well, what we have finally concluded is that the avalanche is what happened. There was an avalanche and that's what they, that's why they're all like this. And yeah, it was an avalanche. And Of course, everybody hates this answer, except for the avalanche people. They're fine with it. Um, I don't care. (laughs) Some people are like not happy with it. I don't care. They can say whatever they want to say. People are still going to speculate. And, you know, it's fun. It's fun. It's in a way it's fun to, you know, go back and forth about theories. And, you know, and so... That is the Dyatlov Pass incident. Uh, I hope you guys are as frustrated as I am because I don't want to be alone in this. And I think I will continue asking people what they think happened. I think it's a great (laughs) icebreaker on on a first date. Hi, good to meet you. What do you think happened to the hikers at Dyatlov's Pass? (laughs) And from here, uh, I guess... It's up to you to decide what you want to think. And like I said, what elements you do and don't want to ignore. But I know this was kind of, this was kind of a longer one um, because it's insane. It's crazy. And I've been obsessed with it for years and I hope you guys enjoyed it too. 
But until next time, you guys stay safe and stay spooky. Thank you.